in this diagram, the big red S is going to represent the spirit, the small S, the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions, and the B, the body. So when God made Adam and Eve, they were made in his image. They were spirit beings. Spirit, soul, body were all one. They were complete in him. All their input was coming from him. They functioned spiritually. They thought spiritually. They responded spiritually. They were totally complete in him. And they were intended, of course, to live eternally. And their thoughts were pure because there was no corruption in the world. So maybe that's even why there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They only had knowledge of good because they were made in God's image and the corruption wasn't there yet. But then, at the fall, a separation took place from that perfect oneness with God. And this carnal flesh you could say, kind of came forth. There was a a fallen portion of man. And man died spiritually. So before they processed everything spiritually, but then after man died spiritually, man began to process naturally and through the flesh. And the mind of the spirit, the spirit of God, was no longer than the main um, things they work through, it was through the mind of the flesh. So the, sp- the soul, the natural soul, the mind, the will, emotions, goes by what it has experienced and learned. For example, if a person hears a report of cancer, then they think of all the things they know about cancer. They go by what they experienced. And the body goes by the five senses. I feel the pain. So we go by the, the sight, smell, touch, or whatever else I forgot. Hearing, seeing, taste, touch, smell. So man became flesh conscious. And that's probably why Adam and Eve suddenly recognized that they were naked, because now man's thinking naturally instead of supernaturally. And this is where mankind changed kingdoms and changed fathers, now into the kingdom of darkness instead of the kingdom of light. And the body and the mind became subject to decay. This is when the curse entered the earth. So man began to think differently and according to a fallen world. So then when attacks come, again, man responds by what he's experienced in the past and by what his body is telling him, by the five senses. So the attacks are all being processed naturally. But then the good news is that Christ came and restored us spiritually. Spiritually, we became alive unto him. And so now this spirit man is supposed to rule over the natural soul and the natural body. We're supposed to respond to things spiritually. So we are made alive in Christ, made one together with him. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There is a portion of our soul, of our mind, our will, emotions, that is made alive 
in Christ, that mind of Christ, the mind of the spirit, your spirit has a place where it thinks, where it functions. That's where you hear God. When you hear his voice or if you speak in other tongues, you can hear that inside of you and then you give voice to it. So there is a spiritual portion of your soul that is made alive. Now you can hear the thoughts of God. You have the wisdom of God. You know what he's wanting from you. You're hearing him. But you also still have the natural soul and the natural body. And in fact, the medical scientists have discovered that there is a portion of the human brain that is only activated in earnest prayer and speaking in other tongues. And maybe that is that spiritual portion, that mind of the spirit that they're seeing. So you have the mind of your spirit, which is the spiritual portion of your mind. Is that clear? And that spiritual portion is always going to agree with God. The natural portion is going to agree with the natural things. And that's why we need to start thinking more and more spiritually. That is our lifelong goal and battle, is to be thinking spiritually and not just naturally, because we live in this natural world. So, for example, you can have a righteous anger over things that upset God, like maybe abortion. But you can also have a natural anger because things didn't go your way. More a selfish, self-centered anger. You can have your own will, but you can also know the will of God. And then you're choosing which one are you going to do, what you want or what God wants. So we have both of these things going on. You can think like God because he's in you and you have that mind of Christ now. Or you can think whatever you want. This is why we have a battle going on. But we're supposed to be thinking God's thoughts, of course. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us clearly that we are now new creations in Christ. The old things have passed away. This old way of thinking, like the old man, has passed away. This is how we used to be, or this is how too many Christians live, I should better say, is still letting the old man rule and reign even though they've been spiritually made alive. But our goal all throughout our life is to live more and more spiritually. But now that we're born again, if we're letting the spirit man rule, as attacks come, we are to respond spiritually. Before it was totally what we experienced and what our flesh is telling us. But now we are supposed to respond spiritually and say, okay, I feel this pain, I know it's here, or you broke a bone or whatever it might be, I see this, but God has said, by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. Lord, how do you want me to deal with this? That's where we always want to go first, is to the spiritual, to God. Ephesians four twenty-two to 24 says that you put off or strip off concerning your former conduct, the old man, the way you used to respond, we're to strip that off, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, thinking like God, thinking with the mind of Christ. We're clothed in flesh, but we were also clothed with that wrong nature, the old nature, the corrupt nature. So we're to strip that off 
and not live that way, not have that old way of thinking and responding to everything. And again, it's for finances, relationships, anything. Not by what you've experienced and what your body's telling you, but what has God said? And this takes retraining. It takes time. But the more we keep doing that and doing that, the more success we see. And we all start out at ground zero. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all flesh-oriented. There's no doubt about that. And so it's just a matter of all through life, just keep working on this, of letting that spirit man rule and reign. And the more we're in the word and have revelation of what God has said, the easier it becomes. But we can't just coast. I mean, you've noticed that. I'm sure every one of you have noticed that. As soon as you start coasting or you get away from reading the word, things dry up pretty fast. And then it takes more effort to get back into it. So it's just that we want to keep working towards this, that we're responding spiritually to all the different things going on and stripping off that old way of thinking, the old man, and thinking according to the renewed spirit, the spirit of the mind. Romans 12.2 tells us about renewing. And I am fully convinced, and I'll read some other scriptures to you, that the renewing of the mind, like in Romans 12.2, is not the natural mind that you're renewing because it doesn't understand spiritual things. It's this mind of Christ, the mind of your spirit, that you are renewing. Uh, so Romans 12.2, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a transformation from responding, where did it go? Responding this way with the flesh or responding spiritually. So we're renewing our mind to start responding spiritually so that we can prove or discern what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So going back to Ephesians, verse 24, we're taking off the old man. And verse 24 says, and that you put on the new man that was created according to God, in God's image, in true righteousness and holiness. This is a command that we are to do, and it's not that easy because we're so doggone flesh-oriented. But, like I said, the more we do it, the better we get at it, and the easier it becomes. But it is a challenge for all of us. You should never look at someone and think, oh, for them it's easy. No, it was a battle. It was a, a growing so we just keep growing, encourage each other to keep growing in that. But if you find that you're constantly meditating on the problem, on the symptom, then you know that you're being flesh-oriented because that's in your flesh. So when you find yourself doing that, recognize, now wait, that's the old man, so I'm going to put that off, and I'm going to think according to God's way. What has God said? God said I'm healed. Okay, so this stuff's going on, but I'm not allowing it to stay. You're not denying that it's there, but you can deny it's right to stay there. So clearly things happen to us, and clearly there are diseases and things around us, but we don't have to keep them. If they come against us, we don't have to keep it. That's the point. It's not that we never get anything, but we don't have to keep it that way. So we don't want to be flesh-oriented in our thoughts about it. So we have to purposely compel ourselves to think differently. And what happens, too, is when you're just thinking on the symptoms, then you're lifting that higher, reverencing, honoring those symptoms higher than God. And sometimes just thinking about that makes us go, oh, well, I wouldn't want to do that, and so we can make the shift. So we don't want to put our confidence and our, our attention on the problem. 
And the Apostle Paul had a good understanding of this battle that goes on, how your flesh has answers, but your spirit has answers. And he was given an assignment by God in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 16. He said immediately, because God gave him an assignment, he said immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. How many times have you had God tell you to do something? Maybe go speak to a person. And immediately your natural self has a response. I don't know what to say. I don't want to go over there. Or make this person a meal and you think, I'm too tired. I don't want to do that. (laughs) We hear God and then our natural man has its own response. Because your flesh is selfish. Your flesh wants to be comfortable. And doesn't want to have to be stretched and do things that it's not feeling like. So he understood that. He also said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, But I keep my body under, or I subdue, I buffet, I disable my body, and bring it into subjection. Now you've got to be pretty mature when you're doing that, that you can just totally disable. But see, we can do it. That's the point. We can focus purposely past an issue, past a pain, to God, In fact, you probably noticed that you might have a pain. Let's say your elbow's really hurting. And then you get busy doing something, and you totally forget about it. And it's not until you remember, oh, yeah, my elbow, instantly the pain's there. What we focus on is going to be magnified. So if we focus on the problem, it just gets worse. But if we focus on God, he gets magnified. And focus on the spiritual responses, that gets magnified inside of us where we can then stand stronger and stronger and say, no, this can't stay, it has to go. So we want to make sure our thoughts are on what God has said and that we're thinking spiritually. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old man was crucified. Crucified. With him, so that the body of sin would no longer dominate us, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For someone who has died, that's how we're supposed to be, died, has been freed from sin, from sickness, from lack. We're free from that, because now we're in Christ. So we're to die to our flesh. And one time when I was teaching this, the Lord reminded me, I was in Madagascar doing a bunch of ministry, And it was the time of year that they celebrate death. And for one to two months, they celebrate this death. death. The first days, it's nonstop 24 hours of dancing and celebration. But then what they do is every morning, they go to all the graves and dig up all their ancestors, bring the bones or decaying bodies into the house, have all their meals with them, And they might set them out onto the porch so they can see what's happening through the day. And as the sun goes down, they have to have them back in the grave. Next morning, same thing for one to two months. Every morning, digging the old people up, the graves. And God said, that's what we're doing. Isn't that awful? That's what we do when we keep responding naturally. We keep digging that old up and letting him answer then we get him back in the grave god talks to us we aren't so sure we like what he said and we dig that old man up that wow that's a picture (laughs) because we can think naturally and we can think yeah go ahead and shudder and then to keep that in mind every time something happens (laughs) 
We can think naturally and we can think spiritually, but we choose. It's just training ourselves to choose the right thing. Because living in this world, we're already in a rut of thinking naturally. So we have to get out of that rut to think differently and not allow ourselves to be flesh-oriented because that's totally contrary to our new nature. That's not who we are in Christ. So Chuck, I'm going to show that. I'm going to show you a different way of seeing this. Do I get to see what they're seeing? No. So with Adam and Eve, this is how their minds were, their soul. It was totally pure. But then at the fall, yeah, it says we fell into darkness. And that's why it says we're delivered out of the kingdom of darkness. But I believe, from what I can see from Scripture, that there is a little portion of us that God kept alive. That's how we hear him and respond to the gospel, respond to salvation. Um, It's our conscience. Your conscience knows between right and wrong that that is our little connection that was left. Let me read to you a definition of conscience. Um, It's a co-perception co-discernment, co-insight, co-wisdom with God. That's why your conscience knows between right and wrong. We're all given a measure of faith. And I believe that's how we get into the kingdom because you've all heard God's voice before you were, you were saved. There were different things where you just knew, don't go there or don't talk to that person. You, you picked up on that. So an important aspect of co-perception is uniting We are united with him. And it it means that God's perception is being accessed and combined with ours. So now we have a co-perception. He's assisting us. But Adam, when they fell, he lost that perfect co-perception, co-insight, co-discernment with God. But then with Christ coming, that was restored. And as we renew our minds, go to the next one. As we renew our minds, we're getting more and more light in God's truth, God's light, and we're pushing more of that darkness out, the old way of thinking, the old man. And so we can keep, we can keep renewing our minds, getting more and more light and truth in, and that's pushing more and more of the dark way, the old way, world's way of thinking out. But then, of course, if we start slacking off, (laughs) then we start thinking more and more like the world again. So we keep going. Go back, keep going. Renew our mind again, keep going. The more we keep doing that, the more light, the more we think like God and the less like the world. And I don't think it's till heaven that we actually get all the way. So I don't know if that just kind of helps you grasp this of the renewing of the mind. It's that spiritual mind, the light and truth of God. More and more of that in. And the natural reasoning out. And I was thinking about this. When I was healed, without purposely doing it, now I purposely try and live spiritually. But back when I was healed and I knew that I knew... My spirit man was ruling, what I knew on the inside was ruling over my thoughts of naturally there's no way I could do a cartwheel. No way. 
and my body, because my body knew there was still pain, but my spirit was ruling. That's why my body went ahead and shifted with the curve. That's why I walked up those steps normally. Even though the pain was still there, my spirit man was ruling and allowing me to accept that healing, even though if you'd asked me, I still had pain. But I thought that is a perfect example of how we're supposed to do it. Again, I can't take any credit for it because it was not conscious, other than that I knew that I knew I was healed. But see, that's a good example of the spirit ruling and telling the the mind, be quiet, it doesn't matter, you think you can't do a cartwheel, watch me. And telling the body, there's pain, doesn't matter, you're healed. That's exactly how it's going to work. Yes. So my old training, my old thoughts were keeping me in bondage and I didn't even know it. They were hindering me from receiving because I was letting the carnal mind rule and not really accepting that word of God that I was reading but not seeing. But see, when we can get this spirit ruling and reigning, agreeing with God, then the rest line up. So our thoughts are very, very, very important because you're going to go the path of your thoughts and then your words connect with that. You speak out what you're thinking. So our thoughts and our words become our, some of our, at least, greatest stumbling blocks because we're talking the problem. We're thinking the problem. We're thinking about what the doctor said. And it's really our biggest challenge because if you get a reporter, if your body's talking to you, because your body can talk very loudly, It is a real challenge to stop those thoughts. But if we do it and work on that, we can get past that. But we know those thoughts come. And you'll get all sorts of thoughts of crazy things. Maybe you see in the grocery store, there are things right there at the door. And has the thought ever passed by? You can just take something, walk out, no one even know. But do you you act on that? I hope not. (laughs) It's like, whoa, where'd that come from? I wouldn't do that. This is how the enemy tries to control us, is through the thoughts. He's speaking to us, and he will tell us, hey, your body's not doing well. But if we listen, that's when we get in trouble. And so we have to recognize, no, I, I, I feel it, yep, but it's not staying. So our thoughts are, I think, even more powerful than our words Because we have the thought first, but people can also say lots of things that they're not really thinking. And so our thoughts are more powerful than our words, and our thoughts are extremely powerful. Because if you keep entertaining that thought of the enemy or that thought of pain, you're going to go that path. It's not until you shift the thoughts to, what has God said? I'm sticking with the word and the word only. That's where you have your victory. So it's the thoughts, and it's this constant battle between the natural and the, carnal, the supernatural, your spirit and your natural man. And it's when we're thinking spiritually that we can then rest in God. If you're all stirred up naturally, it's really hard to rest. But if you're thinking spiritually, God, I know you're faithful. This is what your word said, and so it's just going to have to go. Now you're resting in him. We take our spiritual position in Christ in heavenly places. And when we do that, when we're up here with him, as we're considering that, then the things here on the earth have a whole different perspective. 
they're much smaller when we're taking that position in Christ. Then we have a different view of it. Then we're not under the pile trying to push all this mess off of us. We're looking from above and we're right there at the Father's mouth. (laughs) We can hear, do this, say this, do this. And it's a whole different attitude. Then it's like, okay, brush that off the plate. So Philippians 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. It's the white one. It's this one. Let this mind be in you. If you will put on the new man, it's a good fit. Cozy, comfortable, perfect fit. But if we keep carrying that old man, we're going to get discouraged, depressed, upset. It's not a good fit. It's not meant for us. We're meant to walk in God and in the things of God. Okay, Chuck, you can put up that next one. It's just the same thing that you see here. Oh, this one now? Oh, it doesn't matter. But compared to what Christ has given us, living carnally is like putting on filthy rags and living in the slums. God has given us so much more. He wants us to be lifted up and living in that. And there's no peace living here. We... We want to make, this is where what you would call carnal Christian, born again, but still walking completely by the flesh, or mostly by the flesh. But this thinking in both ways, because we can think spiritually, think naturally. We can think according to God or according to our body. But this is how we become double-minded. Knowing the mind of Christ and having our own mind. But that's double-minded, and you know what happens there. And we undermine our faith when we're doing this back and forth wavering. So your mind, your thoughts are going to determine where your faith is and if your faith is going to work. Our battle's been right here. Because you're going to believe what it is that you're thinking on too. James chapter 1 verse 6, 6 to 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting or wavering, For he who doubts is like the wave of a sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, we're doing ourselves a disservice when we're going back and forth. We become unstable. In James 4, verse 8, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and make your hearts you're pure, your thoughts pure, you double-minded. So we don't want to be double-minded. And that's what's happening when we're going natural, spiritual, natural, spiritual. Because you're going to have both thoughts, guaranteed. As long as you're in this flesh, you're going to have both thoughts. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit... For to be carnally minded is death. Well, there's a good reason not to be carnally minded. And to be spirit, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You want life and peace? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God or an enemy of God. Your carnal mind, an enemy of God. That's pretty strong. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so that then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
Well, we want to please God. So there again, we keep shutting down that natural thinking and let that spiritual mind rise up and get more and more light in by studying the word. Galatians 5 verse 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts. So the natural man is always going to want to talk the natural things that are going on. But your spirit man is always going to agree with God. So you can say, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Or you can think, boy, this is bad. It really hurts. I hope it goes away someday. We're going to have both thoughts. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. See, we really have no benefit in thinking carnally, naturally. But it comes so easily to us. We have to really work on that. Jesus was never thinking naturally. He was always thinking spiritually. I believe that's how he was able to walk through those who were trying, wanting to stone him. He walked right through the center of them. How would we respond if we had a bunch of people lined up ready to stone us? I bet we'd see the stones and we'd be concerned. But he was thinking spiritually, and that's the mind we've been given, and he was able to just walk right through. And that's how we can walk right through sicknesses and diseases. So we're to respond like he did. And here's a verse that um, shows us why we must be thinking according to the new spiritually awakened man. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Your natural man, mind doesn't get it. And that's, again, why I believe we are renewing the spiritual mind, not the natural mind, because the natural mind doesn't even understand. For their foolishness to him, nor can he know or understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. Your natural mind cannot discern spiritually. So the spiritual mind has to be renewed or renovated. And when I looked that up, it was very interesting because it says it's the act of renewing or a making new after decay, destruction, or deprivation. That's what happened at the fall. And so we're renewing that back to where it was. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility or depravity of their mind. But when people are functioning in the natural mind, they're digging this back up. So every time something happens, be it financial, relationships, healing, or sickness, I should say, remember, am I going to dig up the old man and respond naturally? Or am I going to go after this God's way? God knows how much our thoughts Um, matter, how important they are. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, good report, of any virtue, think on these things. And we tend to do the opposite. We think on the wrong stuff, on the bad stuff, on the things that aren't going well. But God says, no, think on these things, because that's going to build up that spiritual mind. So people will say, I hurt, I'm just being truthful. And one time when someone said that to me, God said, no, they're not. 
They're being factful. They're full of the facts and not the truth. They're talking the natural circumstances and not spiritual truth. So God doesn't even think you're being truthful if you're just talking the problem. And he actually calls that evil thinking. We saw that with the ten spies. The two that agreed with God had the right thinking. The others who were going by the circumstances and natural, what their eyes saw, God called it evil thinking. So we're getting lots of reasons, lots of scriptures to walk in the spiritual mind, to please God, to live in life in peace, to have our thinking clean and pure. So we can't focus on a problem ever. We have to focus on the promise. And that's where so many of us have missed it in the past, is that we were so focused on the the issues and the doctor's report. So now when the next thing comes along, we make the shift and go, okay, no longer that way, this way. Because we're all growing. We're all making shifts all the time. Here's another good example of the carnal, natural thinking versus the spiritual thinking. Because again, we have both. I was in Uganda, and I preached healing and then offered people to come up and pray. And there was a lady who was traveling with us. But she was so self-consumed and felt unloved that she always just hung her head. She never talked to us. We'd try and engage her in conversation at meals and things. And she, she didn't talk. She just hung her head. Well, we found out later, when I told people they could come up for prayer... She said, oh, well, this is what happened. When she was a little toddler, probably not toddling yet, just seated, she toppled over onto a sharp object and it poked her eye. So she was blind in that eye and it was always in pain. And especially with the sun, and in Uganda you have a lot of sun because they're right on the equator. So she was always in pain. She'd prayed many times through the years and she had come to the conclusion, God doesn't love me. So when I made the offer for prayer, she said her first thought was, why bother? God doesn't love me, and I've tried so many times. That was the natural thought. But then the spiritual thought came, and right out of her spirit was, I think it was, yeah, tonight's your night. So she responded, thankfully, to that one, was completely restored, could see out of both eyes, no pain, nothing. It absolutely changed her personality. Because we saw her then a few, well, she continued travel with us, and then we saw her a few days later at her church. She was a whole different person. Instead of hanging her head, she was bubbly and greeting everyone and all excited about life. But she thought God didn't love her because she wasn't healed. But she really just needed to change her thinking. But that was perfect because the, the old man spoke first, why bother? And then the spirit spoke. And she chose the spirit and got the victory. So our thoughts are very, very key. We had a woman come in one time to the church, and she came up for prayer and said, I have such horrible migraines, I can never go to church, or almost never, because I have horrible migraines constantly. So I started to mention to her how important thoughts are, and she cut me off and said, oh, I know exactly what you mean. All I have to do is think a migraine, and I've got it. What you think on magnifies and grows. So she knew exactly. She said someone could call and say, how are you doing? And instantly she'll think migraine and get a migraine. Thoughts, they're very, very, very powerful. I can't even stress it enough. But we have to force our thoughts past what's going on. 
Because, like I said, the bodies talk loudly. Sometimes it takes a lot of forcing to get past the body talk. But we can do it. We have a friend in Kenya, and he was in an accident. The bus overturned and went down embankment, and it really hurt his back. And I don't know how this happens, but the doctor report was that instead of his normal spinal curvature, it had twisted and now was going the wrong direction. I don't even know how you can do that. But maybe it's kind of like mine where it was disconnected. But anyway, he was wanting prayer, and I didn't know all of the story. But as I was praying for him, I had my hand on his back, and he started bending over until his head touched the table. And it turned out he could not bend at all before. He hadn't been able to put on his socks for months. He couldn't do any lifting over his head. He couldn't carry his luggage. And I saw his wife with tears just running down her cheeks, And that's when I found out he couldn't bend before. And then he purposely pushed something off the table and went all the way to the ground to pick it up, completely healed. But see, he had to be willing to think spiritually and not just what was happening in the natural. He was completely healed. He went in, climbed up a ladder, got down his own suitcase, bent over, packed it all for his trip the next day, carried his suitcases that morning to the car, completely healed. But there again, see, in the natural, that looks impossible. But subject to change, because God is very powerful. And he loves us. We just have to know, God has a plan for my life, and sickness is not part of that plan. And we're going to accomplish what he's sent us here for. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. There is a, uh, in New Zealand, there was a principal, school principal, who was dying of a brain tumor. She couldn't lift her hands either. The whole side was numb. She was in great pain and was very limited. She couldn't crouch down or anything. So just shared the truth, prayed for her, completely set free. She also had lice that was completely gone. She was going up and down and raising her hands, doing all these things she couldn't do before. And her husband came home and she said, I'm healed. And he said, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't believe it at all. So she jumped up and was crouching down and doing all this stuff. He said, whoa, you really are healed. But see, you have to change your thinking. She saw herself as dying with this tumor. And now she thinks differently because now she's whole. And that's what we have to do, change the thoughts. Because you can be speaking good confessions out of your mouth, but your thoughts can still be totally consumed with the sickness. So go to the thoughts first. It's always starting with the thoughts. They're very key. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. How do you see yourself? There was a lady yesterday that was just shaking. And I said, see yourself not shaking. See yourself healed. And I kept saying that. See it. Get a picture of it. And it just went calmer, 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 calmer. See yourself walking in health. See yourself healed. And if you're praying for people, especially like someone in a wheelchair, they have a picture of themselves in that wheelchair. They have a picture of themselves suffering and pain, limited. And it's the, this is the vital key, is to get the thoughts shifted. That's why teaching is so important. So that they can start thinking according to God's will, His word. And then you see the miracles. But we don't have to be afraid either, because that's the wrong spirit.
So always be checking yourself. Where are my thoughts now? What am I being consumed with? If you have some pain somewhere, do the thoughts keep going there? Then train yourself. Nope, God said. And so knee, line up. You can't be in pain anymore. We just have to stick with the spiritual. Let me ask you this. How many of you, when you've gone to the grocery store, have gotten a bottle of Tylenol or Advil? Why? Because you're expecting to need it. See, in our world, that's common. But you only get a painkiller if you're expecting to have pain. I call that premeditated sickness. You're preparing in your thoughts to be in pain and need the pills. See how we're trained by this world, but the God of this world. But so much of the God of this world is contrary to God. So we don't want to be preparing for sickness. Instead, be preparing for health. And just know, I'm walking in health. I don't need those things anymore. Change the thinking. It's the same thing with aging. Most people, as they're getting older, they're thinking the things that might come upon them. Or that they buy the house that's one story and it's very good if it already has the handicap ramp. Because they're expecting to need it. There was one lady whose friend was getting rid of her walker and she said, I'll take it, I'll need it someday. But see, it's premeditated aging. You're expecting to have troubles. So we don't want to do that either. Why not live long and strong? Nowhere do I see in the Bible that says we have to die of a sickness. Because that's demonic. It has its root in the demonic, any sickness and disease. So we need the mindset of, I am going to live my days out in strength and health until God takes me home. (laughs) So watch what you're thinking on, because what you meditate on becomes what you believe. And then that's going to affect your expectation and your behavior and your performance. So if you don't like things going on down here, go back to where your thoughts have been and make the adjustment there. And then it changes things. Just like the people that will say, well, my asthma will be kicking up in two weeks. They've been thinking about it. It's their belief. They're expecting it. They've gone and gotten the medication, and now they're ready. But that's like putting a big target on yourself and saying, okay, devil, I'm ready. Hit me. See, we don't want to open the door like that. Instead, it's, God, you're on my side. The greater one's in me. There is no sickness or disease that can attach itself to my body. So we're going to live out what we're thinking on. So we have to be real careful what we're thinking. So it also means that we can't say, I'm healed, but immediately run and get the Advil. Because now we're being double-minded. And I would encourage you, unless the suffering's really strong, just practice this. Practice your faith. Say, no, Lord, I'm with you. And I'm going to get the victory on this. And just, you're training yourself, essentially, is what you're doing. But Because your actions are going to reveal where your faith really is. If you find yourself automatically running to the medicine cabinet, then you can recognize, ah, now I see what I really believe, where my faith is. And then you make the decision. Do I want to keep doing that? I mean, that's your decision. Or do you want to live this way with that spirit man ruling? Because your thoughts are going to either keep you in bondage or they're going to get you into the liberty of Christ. But it's thoughts. 
And here's another good testimony of how important our thoughts are. A good friend of ours was in Central America for 20 years, and they preached the gospel every day. They started with the terrorist area of town always, and then they just move up through the entire community. And <clears throat> he was asked one day to go pray with a pastor for a man who was dying. He had some kind of stomach issue, could not keep any food down, and they were wanting to operate on him, but there were no beds available at the hospital. So they had sent him home. Well, then my friend went over. They prayed for the man. And the next day, he was scheduled to have a bunch of tests made in preparation for the surgery once a bed was available. So he went home. A few days later, he called the doctor and said, why aren't you getting me in? I'm dying because he could eat no food. Nothing was going into his body. He said, you have to get me in for that surgery. And the doctor said, what are you talking about? The man said, well, you know my condition. I'm waiting for this surgery. And he said, you don't have a problem anymore. When we took those last tests, you were completely healed. But see, he thought he was still dying. He had been completely healed. The doctors could prove it. But he thought he was dying, and so he was. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. So when he heard the other news, he changed his thinking Called to his wife, asked her to make him a big meal. He ate the meal perfectly fine. It's been fine since. So your thoughts are very, very powerful. <laughs> so you want to be careful where they're going. Want them to be not conformed to this world, but transformed. That transform is metamorpho. It's changed into something different from the old to the new. But we're going to choose. Do you want to live that old life in a creaky, <laughs> leaky building? Or do you want that good mansion, the wonderful life that God is, that Christ has provided? But we choose. And I do want to mention this. When the enemy attacks, he is attacking our unredeemed parts. Sometimes when people think that there's demonic stuff going on, they think, but I'm not demon-possessed. No, they're not. If they've given their life to Christ, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's not the spirit man that's being attacked. It's the, the temporary, the flesh, and the soulish part that stays here because of all the selfishness and negative. So it's not that we're demon-possessed just because something's going on in our bodies. So the verse that all this comes down to is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations or arguments, reasonings, thoughts, and every high thing that exalts itself against that exceeds or is apart from the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience and submission of Christ. That's what it's all about. Watching the thoughts, taking them captive. Our bodies were made to fight sickness. You get a cut, immediately your body goes to work to get that sealed off, closed off, and healed. Your body's working for health. Your spirit man is working for health in full agreement with God. It's just this that's the problem. And that's why this is what we're retraining and forcing to go God's way. There was a man in New Zealand with frozen knees. He couldn't bend them at all, and he couldn't lift his hands up. And the whole community knew him. They knew of him. But when I prayed for him, I told him to start lifting his knees, and it was like a little toddler walking. It was all stiff and hard, but he started walking back and forth, completely healed, 
Oh, actually, there's a little clip, Chuck. Press go. Have the guy next to him hold his arms. Because they all knew he couldn't bend them before. Just before that, he raised his arms up. <laughs> See, healing spiritual. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It feels like it, but that's not where the battle is. But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's spiritual. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And like I said, our thoughts are going to grow. They're going to produce a harvest. So if you find yourself thinking on the wrong things, on the problem, on the pain, you're going to reap a harvest from it. That's why I'm stressing, press through, to focus on what God has said, and that will produce a harvest. Every time you are focusing on the sickness, it's from the enemy. So you are giving him permission to continue his work in your body. You're giving him dominion over you in that area. Another good reason to shift the focus because then when you focus on God, you're giving him permission, you're enabling him to do his work in you. So keep your thoughts on the word of God. Hebrews 4, chapter 12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So I just encourage you, watch your thoughts daily, all day long, until the more and more light, just keep getting more and more light, renewing, renewing, renewing the mind, so that we can walk here, and here's where we're going to help the world so much more. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you that your word is so clear that we can understand these things, understand why we've had a battle, that it's been our thoughts, that our thoughts have been a big hindrance to our own selves. Lord, I pray that everyone here has a revelation of that, that they can adjust their thinking over and over and over again with all the different issues going on in their lives, that they can just keep looking to you and not get so concerned and worried and upset about things that are going on, but that they can shift those thoughts where there's life and peace in you, where we've called to be living in you in heavenly places. Thank you that you help us. You don't leave us alone to try and figure this out ourselves and do the battle ourselves. Your spirit is on the inside of us, giving that power and strength enabling us to do it because you've already given us the mind of Christ. It's already there. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to make the shift. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we ask it, pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.